Malcolm Gladwell's Pushkin Industries recently started a new podcast that covers musicians, and this is the most stacked guest list I've ever seen on any particular podcast. The host is Eric Vietro, and he's a vocal coach, and the podcast is just him talking to his students, but his students are not any randoms. They're just the top of the industry. So here is Eric talking with John Legend. With all of me, it's interesting because we started out with the pattern being like this on the intro. But we ended up deciding that it would sound better starting clean and a little straighter and less busy. And we ended up going with. What would I do without your smart mouth? And it felt better. And then it felt like it drove the song in the right way. And then we finally went to the arpeggio for the chorus. opens up into that car it's mm-hmm. just amazing so that's with a friend of mine toby gad you told me yes and partly sitting because- in his uh studio house studio and uh sitting on the piano and trying to figure it out and it's funny my manager said you should write a song to chrissy that's kind of like uh she's always a woman the uh classic billy uh billy joel song and this was my take on that prompt yeah, amazing <laughs> How cool that that one suggestion to write a song about your wife created such an iconic song. Now, I know partly because Toby's told me that song has a lot of distinctions and awards, right? Oh, I mean, it's one of the biggest songs in the history of music. Tell us the, the statistics because <laughs> uh, they're they, astonishing. I, mean, uh, I think there's only a, a few songs in the world that have gone 13 times platinum, <sighs> and it's one of them. And uh, that's huge. And of course, the biggest song in my career, but it would be the biggest song for anybody's career, yeah, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. And it was my first number one. Oh, was on it? On the Hot 100, yeah. I didn't know that. First and only so far. Well, we've still got plenty time. of time. Yes. It's such a beautiful, beautiful song. Thank you. And let's not forget, John has a ton of awards already. I mean, he's an EGOT, which means he has an Emmy, an Oscar, a Tony, and 12 Grammys. But no big surprise. I mean, he has incredible talent and amazing work ethic, and he's always juggling a million things. I know more than anybody else how busy you are. Every single time we do a lesson, you are on your way to something. Yeah, I stay pretty busy. I stay booked. (laughs) Yeah, like constantly. So obviously, your piano skills have been a huge part of your career, right? It goes with your singing and your songwriting. Sure. So tell me a little bit about your training. Well, my training, I started very young. We had a piano in our home, and then I was at church all the time. My grandmother was the church organist. My mother was the choir director. My father played the drums for the choir and sang with the choir. And then my grandfather was the pastor. So I would be at church all the time. We were there for Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, Bible study, choir rehearsal, prayer meeting, revival service, whenever there was something at the church, 
our family was running the service and doing something. And so I just grew up around a bunch of people who made music all the time. And most of it was gospel music. But also I started taking piano lessons. I learned the basics of music theory. And in parallel, I was learning gospel music from my grandmother. And in the Pentecostal church, you do still use the hymnal and read some, but a lot of it is by ear and you could be playing in any key and someone could randomly start a song and so you'd have to have some improvisational skills and ability to just pick up what's going on, hear it and start playing along. And so I really learned how to do that in the church and my grandmother was my main mentor and teacher for that. Wow. Well, you know, that explains a lot about why you are so comfortable and so good and to be able to change the keys. Yeah, I'm better at some keys than others. But yeah, we had to be flexible and dynamic and the services could take many directions. And so we had to be able to roll with it. And so I developed a lot of my musical skills in that space. Do you remember any of the first hymns that you played all those years ago? Oh, sure. Well, of course, the classic... Beautiful. That was beautiful. That was great. And it had its own John Legend in there. (laughs) The church in there had a little bit of everything. And that makes sense, because like John said, he was raised with gospel music and his grandmother. One time she wasn't going to be able to be at service, and the woman that was her backup wasn't going to be able to be there. And she taught me a couple songs that I had to learn for that specific service for the choir. And that was the first time I ever was just thrust out there in front of the whole church and asked to play when it really mattered. And uh, that was pretty cool. Were you nervous? Yes. But you did a good job? I I did okay. (laughs) Did did you get a lot of praise? Yes. And I was young, so I think they would have been happy with whatever I did. I was like eight. (laughs) Well, because, you know, it's my observation that people who have done really well, successful in their Mm -hmm. life, seem to always have a moment or an incident in their life where they're praise when they're pretty young. Oh, yeah. And that sort of becomes the engine for their whole life. I think that's a big part of why you start to develop a love for performing because you get all this affirmation. Mm -hmm. And when people tell you they love it and they cheer for you and they support you and they make you feel like you did something great, it makes you, you know, want more of that. I definitely think that's a big part of why uh, I enjoy performing. It isn't just for the art of creating the song. It's for that feeling of joy I get when I bring other people joy and they give it back to me. Right. So would you say that church moment was probably more inspiring to you than even the piano recital? Like, Yeah, it's more fuel. And when you did it at church, it felt like You were doing it for people whose judgment you trusted and you wanted to impress them. And so whenever I would get affirmation in that setting, it felt special. Music is so important to our services that when you do it right and you feel like you did it right and the audience affirms that, it feels like you you won. You won a battle there. 
Wow, I've never heard anybody say it like that. So if the church was clearly your biggest influence when you were young, who were your influences as you got older? Well, Stevie Wonder. I mean, it's almost too obvious, but <laughs> growing up, he was such an iconic R&B singer-songwriter who had written such beautiful songs of every type, you know, whether it was, you know, classic ballads or beautiful up-tempo songs like, you know, Superstition or just the full range. One of the great solo artists of all time, and in my estimation, possibly the greatest. Prince is right up there, and there's a few others, but mm -hmm. uh, there's very few solo artists that have had the longevity and the awesomeness that Stevie's had over his career. And as a singer-songwriter of, you know, the same genre and, and with right. a lot of the same uh, influences, he's been such a big influence to me. I also was very influenced by Nat King Cole. I Oh, you love have that, that phrasing, that great I love phrasing. that crooning, that phrasing, that mm -hmm. style that he brought to the songs that he performed. And I've been listening to him since I was a teenager. And, you know, even when that wasn't really in vogue for someone my uh -huh. age to like him, I was more of an old soul and I loved that style. And you can hear that influence in John's songs. This is Nat King Cole singing. Unforgettable that's what you are. And you hear some of his phrasing in the way I will phrase certain totally. things. Especially with this one, the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. But even in pop music and R&B music that I make mainly for a living, I'll still incorporate some of that phrasing into uh, genres that you wouldn't associate it with right. as much. Uh, so he was an influence. Marvin Gaye is a big influence for me, both as a vocalist, as a creative, and trying to find ways to speak to the moment that we all live in. He's just iconic to me as a, as a soul singer. A good example is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Don't punish me. And then you can hear the inspiration with John's song, Glory. Oh, one day, when the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure. Oh, I like him as a singer better than I like Stevie. I think Stevie had a, a more robust and prolific career over a longer period of time, of course. But uh, as a vocalist, I like Marvin a, a little more. And then another vocalist I love is Nina Simone. Oh. I love her tone, her expressiveness, her creativity. As a pianist, she's just, like, stunning. I mean, just listen to the piano in Nina Simone's I Put a Spell on You. I put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. And your daughter is named... Yes, and my daughter's named Luna Simone. Yeah. And I named her with Nina in mind. 
And then Aretha Franklin is a big influence to me. My grandmother actually, her playing style reminded me of Aretha's playing style. They both grew up in the Midwest. My grandmother was from both Michigan and Ohio. Uh She grew up uh, as a daughter of a preacher, a pastor, just like Aretha did. And stylistically, they had a lot in common. So you will hear some of the flourishes that I would do that are reminiscent of my grandmother, but also similar to some things that Aretha would do on the piano because of that similar background. Can you give an example of what one might be? I mean, even the way I played Amazing Grace, in some ways, that was... Like right. reminiscent of that, but it just kind of a, that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a little honky tonk, a little gospel, mm-hmm. but it's got kind of that old school flavor to it. Listen to Aretha sing her version of Amazing Grace. Amazing And I still carry a lot of that with me in the way that I play the piano. What about, because we've talked about um, falsetto, that the difference between Marvin Gaye's falsetto, Curtis Mayfield. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I found that really interesting. You listened so closely that one has a little more vibrato. Yes, like Curtis's is a little thinner and more vibrato, so... Darkness of light with the moon shining bright out of You know, it's like it's a little softer and um, a little more gentle. Like when Curtis Mayfield sings Superfly. Darkness of light with the moon shining bright. And then I think Marvin could wail a little more with his falsetto. It's rounder. You know, that kind of vibe. You can hear it when Marvin Gaye sings, Gotta Give It Up. And then some of the other great falsetto singers, I think Prince is obviously one of them. And his is a little like uh, more funky. He would do a little more cry in his voice and, and like a little more like shriek and it's a little more like dangerous sounding. I just want your extra time, your ill. I think Marvin Gaye kind of, that was one of the first singers I think where I used that expression telling you that yawn sensation. Mm-hmm. And Nina it's Simone rounder, too. Yes. Yeah. You know, Nina Simone had that as well. And Smokey was more like Curtis, mm-hmm. I think. Smokey Robinson, uh, more kind of whispery, a reedy sound. Right. Uh, a little thinner, kind of a gentle vibrato. Baby, let's cruise away from here. So those are some of the icons, I think, of singing in falsetto. And I got to say, as obvious as it is, it needs to be said, with that falsetto, John is on that list, too. Fun fact, my personal connection with John Legend is that I went to the same school as him. He went to Penn, and he was a singer in one of the a cappella groups, and I was a singer in Penn in one of the a cappella groups. Obviously, that makes us equals. But also, I was in a acapella group maybe four or five years ago in New York City where we had a singer who did John Legend very well. So um, 
it was one of my favorite songs and it's just a really real pleasure to learn a bit more about his musical inspirations and that he can just belt out anything really like there's just no limit to his ability to imitate his own idols so so that's it for me happy weekend everyone